You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Uh, it is no secret that Ramadan is expected to start after Maghrib tonight, inshallah, in where we are staying. And Allah knows best if He decides to change things. But that does not mean for us that what we were doing the previous 11 months are forgotten. Indeed, what this means is that this month that follows is a reflection of our efforts from the preceding 11 months. Indeed, Sahaba anhum used to make dua for the first uh, six months or so after Ramadan, saying, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept the Ramadan. Then they used to make dua thereafter so that we may see the next Ramadan. And in essence, we should be seeing Ramadan as the opportunity to refresh ourselves. It should be the highlight of our year. You know how people look towards the summer holidays as school children, and whether it was ourselves or our children, they look forward to the summer holidays. Why is the biggest holiday of the year? Everything is supposed to be good. Ramadan is no different. Yes, there may be physical hardships or there may be a physical training, but it's spiritually uplifting, it's spiritually refreshing, it's spiritually liberating. You're liberating yourself from your lower desires, from the dunya, uh, from everything. So it becomes you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is why the reward for fasting is from Allah. Everything has its reward, but the fasting directly, the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed, Ramadan is more than just fasting. It is a month in which one attains taqwa or piety. And all the term fasting is used in Surah Baqarah, it is followed straight after by dispensations and uh, how people should be approaching this month because it's not about the physical fasting and the hardship per se, it's about you reaching out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that also means that when it comes to the you and your interaction with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's what Allah demands from you in your circumstance. If the Sharia is written that you should abstain from fasting, the classic example being a menstruating woman or a woman in childbirth. Or a person has such an illness that is so well known that is one is going to come to harm. Or there may be circumstances where a person has got an illness but they haven't perhaps appreciated that fasting may cause them harm. You have a valid dispensation in the Quran that tells you to fast a like number of days when you can. And if you can't do that, then you obviously pay the fidya and the schools differ slightly on this. Uh, but the point is that we do not, we're not expected to put ourselves through undue hardship. There is a degree of hardship expected because if we don't go through hardship, we don't expect ourselves. We do not appreciate our salaries unless we had a really hard month of work. We know all as junior doctors and people when they start off, when you do that night shift, you do that first weekend, you don't understand the value of that money until you get it in that first paycheck. then you realize this is what money is because you went through that hardship. You appreciate it more, you value it and you use that blessing more appropriately, you don't waste it. The same comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the attributes and the skills and whatever he's given us. We value what he has given us so that we may use it for those things that are pleasing to him so that we get barak in it. When you earn your money and you get it after tax, the last thing you do is you go and spend it all on alcohol or on drugs. You just hang on, I've got this money, I have to invest this money wisely because I, this money has to last me for the next four weeks. So straight away, you're using it in those things that will be beneficial to you. The same comes to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. We use those things he's given us to be of benefit to us. And the ability for us to see Ramadan is a blessing in and of itself. What we end up doing in this month, whatever Allah wills for us, will be dependent on our own personal circumstances. But one thing is that we should make that intention, that, that whole this month is about month reaching out to Allah, reaching towards Him, benefiting ourselves uh, by reaching out to Him. Because anyway, anyway, Allah doesn't benefit from us reaching out to Him, we benefit ourselves. So He's giving you that opportunity. And there's so many different means, whether it's a form of fasting, prayer, zakah, whatever a person does, but there's so many different means. Abstaining from seeing something wrong, abstaining from seeing something you shouldn't see, seeing a good word towards somebody, opening a door for someone, all these things carry extra rewards, 70 to 700 times more than one would ordinarily get for that. And I started off with this tangent because it's important to set this scene uh, with Ramadan uh, upon us. 
And as you know, the wider theme that we have been talking about is to do with the diseases of the heart. I should look forward to Ramadan because it's an opportunity to really see what we learn in terms of understanding disease of the heart. Why? Because the shayateen are chained, whether it's literally metaphorical, whatever it's all of or not. The point is that we are given more breathing space. So this is a chance for us to see ourselves for ourselves. See how our attributes are. See how these diseases of the heart we talk about. Do I have them? Do I have them? Because you've taken something out of the equation. A lot of us have a science background. One thing you know is you need to control variables to assess the one in question that you want to see if it has an effect or not. We're taking Iblis out of the equation. It's us now. Where are we in terms of our heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And it's fitting to touch upon the next disease, which is antipathy towards death. Antipathy towards death is one, is one when one flees from, uh, from it and becomes annoyed when it's even mentioned. As if he is completely ignorant of Allah's statement that each soul shall taste death. This is reckoned by among the diseases of the heart. So be content with what God, the exalted, has decreed. But if one detests death for its own sake, not for the loss of pleasure that it entails, nor for the loss of pleasure it entails, but rather out of the fear of being cut off from preparing for the day of judgment by obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more. Also, if one completely entrusts his affairs to his master, whatever he wills, either causing him to drop dead or giving him respite, it contents him. But both of these attitudes toward death are commendable and praiseworthy. Either way, disliking the reality of death is in no way distances you from his proximity. The one who constantly remembers death is ennobled with contentment, with his heart's activities directed towards obedience, and the prompt repentance when, he, when wrong actions occur. The one who is heedless of death is afflicted with the opposite of all three. So whilst we have this, we, that death is upon us all, if we are hating death for, this, for the noble reason that you will not get a chance to repent, you will not get a chance to bring yourself closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's understood. But if it's purely out of the love of the dunya, the fear of giving an account, uh, the, the fear of recognizing you've done wrong, you don't want to repent, then we have to think about it. Antipathy towards death is considered a disease of the heart. It refers to a strong aversion to death to the point that it is me mere mention causes consternation. Such a person, Imam Maulud says, is in denial of the reality. And it says in Surah um, Al-Imran, every soul shall taste death. Say, the death from which you will flee will overtake you. <coughs> Thereafter you will return to the nor of the seen and the unseen. He will then inform you of all that you are doing. And that's in Surah 62. None of this suggests that one should leap into the thrones of death. The thrones of death. It merely disparages the ethic of chasing after the fleeting things of this world while rebuffing the eminence of death and what comes after. When death is mentioned, it is considered a morbid topic that is uncouth to discuss. And when it is discussed, it is turned into some deadline before people, which people are supposed to squeeze in all their life's pleasures. The Muslim view it, Muslims view it completely differently. To speak about death is to speak about life and the urgency to live a faithful and wholesome life before death overtakes us. Sheikh Ibn al-Habib says, In death there are a thousand reposes from the, for the Muslim. As long as you, are, as you are in this world, there is not a cell in your body that does not experience pain and disease. Once you are out of this world, all of that ends. For the believer, there is comfort in death. It is being taken from the abode of difficulty to the trial of one of peace and unfathomable freedom. In Islam, the mourning period is short and should be not be prolonged. The irony of extending the mourning period is that it is rooted in the excessive love of the dunya, the world. The more one covets this world, the greater the sense of loss when a loved one dies. Everyone will experience the loss of a loved one. When the Prophet lost his son Ibrahim, he wept but also praised Allah, the source of life and death. People who believe in God uh, and in the afterlife handle death very well. Handle death well. The same is true for calamities and tribulation. 
Maurice Bukhail, the well-known French physician, said that what attracted his interest in Islam was how much how the North Africans in France faced death. As a physician exposed to disease and death, he observed many of his own countrymen not knowing how to die or handle death. The fear of death is natural. Reflexivity, reflex, reflexively, one protects himself from it. When angels in the form of human beings visited Prophet Ibrahim and he offered them f uh, uh, when, angel, uh, when angels in the form of human beings visited Prophet Ibrahim, he offered them food. But he saw that they did not reach for the food. He grew fearful. Scholars say that Abraham thought he had they had come to take his life. The Prophet ﷺ encouraged believers to desire a long life for two reasons. To make up for past iniquities and to increase good deeds. The one who remembers death is ennobled by certain, ennobled by certain characteristics. One of them is contentment and a lack of covetousness. The Prophet ﷺ said, Contentment is, tre is a treasure that is never exhausted. He also prayed, O God, provide for my family with what suffices them and grant them contentment with it. The wealthy soul is one that is content. The contentment is not the kind of a, that originates from stupidity or not knowing any, any better. It's contentment that is informed by knowledge and by reflection on death and its meaning. Secondly, the remembrance of death gives one energy to achieve good deeds. Wealth and sons and daughters are ornaments of this world, while enduring righteous deeds are better with your Lord in reward, better in hope. And that is from Surah Al-Kahf. Third, remembrance of death engenders seeking repentance when one slips or errs. Penitence rectifies wrong action, and that is a gift of remembering death. When one lives with this realization, he or she becomes prompt in seeking God's forgiveness. Those who are heedless of death have no compunction in doing wrong, since death is not a factor in their lives. They carelessly view the Day of Judgment as some distant event, hardly worth worrying about, or some ancient notion formed by a primordial epoch of human development. My brothers and sisters, these words are self-explanatory. May Allah make it easy for myself and my brother and sister to fully understand and appreciate these words and bring them into our life from now on in. Alhamdulillah, Blalim Slatus and Ashwell and Brad, Marcelina, Rudabilam Shaitanjim, Bismillah Rahman and Rahim, while Asr inna the insanity of Hos, Illa Ladina Am, where I'm in the Soli Hati, with the worst of Bill Hafti, with the worst of Bill Sop. Respected brothers, I have extended the Hutba a bit longer by a couple of minutes, and uh, for that I apologize. But I also make no apologies because I feel it is important with Ramadan upon us that we seriously think to ourselves, will this be our last Ramadan? Will this be our last day of Shabbat? We don't even know if we'll see Ramadan. But what intention have we made in our hearts so that by the time this khutbah is over, we want to do something positive that will be different in this Ramadan to last Ramadan. And that does not mean that you go and complete the Qur'an every three days or five days or whatever. It means that whatever change you make is sustained such that when Ramadan ends, if Allah gives us life at the end of it, you have benefited and the people around you benefit. And you sustain that. You should see each Ramadan as a step to reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not some kind of yo-yo that goes up and down and up and down. It goes up in 30 days and it's down over the next 11 days, months. It is not supposed to be that. I touched on the, uh, the attribute of being content. How many people do you see when you walk around that are actually content, that are Muslim, that you see to yourself? If you see them, you ask them, how do you lead your life? What is it that makes you content? We should be learning from each other. Muslims are mirrors from each other. So when you see someone who is content, Despite being put under the standard afflictions or trials and tribulations that any person goes through in this worldly life, we just saw what happened in Manchester a few days ago. It affects all of us. Loss of life is loss of life. We as Muslim physicians or doctors, we look after Muslims, non-Muslims, all equal. So when, when we see loss of life, we value it just as much as anybody else. 
our heart uh, hurts because we know how valuable life is. We know when someone passes away and you break that bad news to the family, how that family hurts. And it makes no difference if it's a Muslim or a non-Muslim. We feel hurt. But what are we doing about that hurt? Are we nurturing it so it makes us better Muslims? So that we are a rahmah for ourselves and a rahmah for all? A whole of mankind, not just Muslims, not just non-Muslims, but for everyone. The Prophet ﷺ was He was for all of mankind, not just the Muslims. We should be the same, because if we don't do it, who is going to do it? May Allah make easy for myself, my brother and sisters, to understand the lofty position he has given us and fulfilled our, uh, to our best of ability. So Allah may be pleased with us when we return to him. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.